episode of Barbie Does Dating. I am your host, Barbie Berg. This is my co-host, Steve Solberg. Aloha. Look, he actually was aware of it. I thought yes. he was going to be still emailing. But that's oh, okay. No. We love Steve. Yeah, and he's wearing. He's saying aloha, wearing an aloha kind of shirt. Yeah, I wanted that to feel right. The funny thing is, like, Steve walked in, and he's wearing this, like, Aloha shirt, and I was like, oh, he looks so tropical. And then I was like, wait, at our age, he kind of looks like a dad on vacation. <laughs> and that was my second thought. But you he grew the mustache cute. out. He could be Magnum P.I. If you go, yeah, you have to go full <gasps> mustache. To... Oh, my gosh. Will you shave your beard and just leave a mustache one day? No. Please. No. <laughs> the, I've, uh, no. I've thought not. <laughs> That's a great thought. It's a better thing. How about you just do it and then send me a picture and then you can shave off the rest. Maybe one of these days, like when, when I need to shave or whatever. Fine. All right. This is our producer, Nick Galetti. Hello. And we are going to have Nick introduce our guest because I don't know her at all. And so, but Nick does. Yeah. So our guest for this episode is Kylie Shields. She is the author of Make It Happen, which is a book you guys should all go check out because it's about, I don't want to say it's about singleness, but... <laughs> It's church singleness, that sort of thing. You can take it from there, Kylie. So I lived in Boston um, years ago, and I had joined AmeriCorps, which is like domestic Peace Corps, kind of. Anyway, I was 26, and I saw these older, so they were probably like 30 or 31 at the time, single females that were like sort of, in my my opinion, spinning their wheels, like Mm -hmm. just waiting around to get married. And they were saying this. I wasn't guessing this. They were like, oh, they were nothing wrong with being secretaries or anything, but they were taking jobs specifically in like passing time to like Mm -hmm. get married. And they looked like monochromatic. Like they wore like really dull, looked dull. And it was the first time in my life that I had been one of those single females that was like, it doesn't matter what I wear or look like. You should just love me for who I am. <laughs> Very much. Like, if you don't love me how I am, then you don't deserve me. And yeah. when I when I was meeting these women, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what the guys in my life have been saying. No, you should still put on makeup and do your hair and you should look good because we're attracted to that yep. personality-wise and other. And I was watching these girls and I was like, I, I made this deep commitment to myself I, I will never be like that mm-hmm. and that was the impetus of the book is that single people there's a lot to give like build the kingdom there was this like calling inside of me it was like whether you're a mom with five kids or whether you're a single member of the church you are it's requisite of you to build the kingdom with whatever talents you have and this was also around the time when the church was getting pretty like sticky about like don't go out and do all these like trips these single trips you guys can remember when like locally they were saying like it was when they're still doing it duck beach and all these things but it was when they were saying stop like sowing your oats doing all this fun thing and like settle down and so this was kind of a little bit controversial and i my book came out right around the time when it was just like listen set goals and make them happen and be happy that's the way that you attract people into your lives and yeah her book was was it one of three books Ever on two, yeah, yeah, uh, it does read book on on this subject. Like really, just not so Kristen Oaks put it. a book out called A Single Voice. You Ooh, guys I probably love. know, but She's that amazing. was right after she got married. Mm, okay, <laughs> and so an uh, that apostle. was another thing that yeah. I, I that I was like, there's <laughs> no by the people for the people. I say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's nothing from a single person. 
that was in it, yeah. right? Like, not like, oh, and John, by the way's book had been in there a long time, but like, what I wish yeah. I knew when I was single. So those yeah. were the two actual books that Desert Book had published. Yeah. So, I so hers was the third. I didn't think nice. that they would. Well, and Desert Book didn't publish mine. They were a distributor. They, they kept it in their store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is still a big deal. Yeah. Which is one of my, the things that I, they had to change my title to put it on the shelves at Desert Book. So the original <laughs> title was Single So What? Oh, I love that. With the whole flippant of like, so what if you're single and mm-hmm. single, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Like a double a double meaning, but but they, huh. Desert Book was very much like, that's too flippant. <laughs> so one of the too chapters flippant. in my book is make it happen. Yeah. So set goals and put it out in the universe and yeah. So that's so, so to transition <laughs> to our subject today, we should probably also say that she's a good guest for this because the subject is dating in your late 30s and early 40s. A.K.A. dating for the elderly. No. <laughs> this is the mid-singles category. It's mid-singles. It's true. But like YSA people, I remember when I was that age and I was like, oh my gosh, if I get to 35 and I'm not married, I'm going to die. That's horrible. And <laughs> it's just a whole new experience. And I wanted to kind of talk about something that might be a little uncomfortable, maybe for the guys to talk about, but something that is on the women's minds constantly. It is when you get to your late 30s and your early 40s, we got babies on the brain. (laughs) And the reason is because we know that our reproductive years are almost gone. Like, I make a joke that like, oh, every time my ovaries release an egg, they're like, take a partner. There's no more time. And they like, just jump ship. Like, we are at an age. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you guys uncomfortable. But I have talks with my girlfriend. Yes, the doctors call it. Yeah, like yeah. If, you get, if you get pregnant after the age of 35, it is considered a geriatric pe- pregnancy because the risks are so much higher. Right. The chances of getting pregnant are so much lower. And there's so many of us that have never been married and we're in our late 30s starting to get into our early 40s. This is something we are very much thinking about. But on the flip side, I remember, not that Steve did this intentionally or with malice of any kind, but Uh-oh. we were talking about dating one time. And he was talking about people that he'd met on uh, that he'd like seen online, and he was like, "I don't know if I'm interested because I really want kids, and she's done having kids, or she's at an age where it was pretty evident that she was done having kids." But Do you Steve remember wants, saying Steve this? wants a family. Um. Oh. I. Yeah. I think a girl. Uh, girls often will put like because a lot of girls mm-hmm. are divorced and their kids are teenagers now, and they're like, "I'm not going to have any more kids." Yeah. And they might be interested, but uh, yeah, yeah, like it's like, well, I kind of want kids. And so if they're 35 and their 14-year-old is like, I want my mom to start being <laughs> yeah, yeah, that type of mom again, you know. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with it, but it is something that people think about. And I've actually talked to a lot of divorced guys who are, say, 42, 43. And because I like, I actually prefer to date divorced men or men that have been married before, widowed, whatever. But I found that a lot of them find me undateable and one of the first reasons is because they're like you've never been married so I automatically assume that you want children and I am done Mm. having kids and I I hear this a lot they're like I won't date I don't want to or I don't pursue the women online that I've seen that have never been married because my first thought is she still wants kids I'm done having kids can't can't adoption be no but they're done having kids they're done having babies in their house they're done having children I understand that side of it but I mean the other side like from Steve's side where he wants a woman that 
No, but on he Steve's side, she's no, the not. Woman she's says not going to adopt children. Want kids at all. Oh, okay. She's not adopting children. Not that it's children. a biological thing. No, okay, right, I misunderstood. Right. It's that she's done having kids, or these guys are done having kids. Gotcha. And sometimes it's their automatic first thought, and we go through this a lot. I don't know if you experience it. Yeah. I mean, speaking to both of those, I, so I have worked in the world of social work for years and years and years. So I have always liked the idea of adoption, whether mm-hmm. I would have had my own children or not at this stage i'm definitely where barbie it freaks me out sometimes Mm -hmm. i close my eyes and i'm like i'm never gonna have like progeny like it gets scary to me Mm -hmm. not in the scary that i feel great to marry a divorced man or would a man that already has children yep and help raise those children i'm happy to be a stepmom i really am not everybody is but it does freak me out sometimes to think that like there's no you know that i'm not gonna have any children but it's interesting because it's so interesting in the dating world because some of the apps will say have children don't want children mm-hmm. right. or have children do want children. Yeah. And so I find the whole mm. like in your face, like before you've even had a conversation yeah. with somebody, they're like, this is my this is my boundary, which I'm a big fan of boundaries. But I find that really interesting because mm-hmm. in real life relationships, for example, my sister married and her second marriage, a guy who was like, I'm never getting married again. Mm-hmm. And a year and a half into their marriage, they got married. And then into my the other sister, the into the yeah. relationship yeah. of living together, yeah. <laughs> but my other my other sister also married somebody, and there he was like, I don't necessarily, well, not their relationship, but I have a friend who was like, I don't necessarily want to have kids, and he had actually had a vasectomy, reversed it, and they oh. ended up having children. Because people aren't static, right? Yeah. People are people who change, and when they love somebody and their circumstances are there, they sort of can live and grow into that. Mm-hmm. So I find dating just awkward anyway and weird but i find this idea in this stage of our since we're talking about this really interesting because it's like a time-bound thing that hits another Mm time-bound thing and it's already hard to meet people and date as it is but like the boundaries that you're setting out there you know so where i i want to have my own biological children i don't know that like that would be if i met somebody who was pretty like i have my kids already i don't know that i wouldn't date them yeah but at the same time, how do you know, how do you figure that out? How do you even right. find that out? Yeah. It's right? a bit of a role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do feel, and that this is a perceived notion because I haven't had anybody really outwardly tell me this and judge me, but I do feel a judgment of like you're ending, you're at the end of your mm-hmm. childbearing years for guys that are wanting to have kids. Yeah. Because even if we, even, so I'm 39. Mm-hmm. So even if I have a child, which I totally have a few more years that mm-hmm. I could have a child, right? Very doably. But even if I do, I'm, I'm at the very old end of being a mom with yeah. a baby, right? Yeah. So that's something to consider in dating, even if you can have kids at this age, because you're going to be really older parents, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes I usually date guys that are younger than me. And that's, I think for them, that would be hard. Like, okay, we can have kids, but you're going to be 60 when they're yeah, 18. graduating high school. You know, and I think it's interesting because I, I just spent the week visiting my parents and stuff like that. And they I took some pictures of them and they joked. They were like, we're old people now. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm just like, this is just a picture. I wasn't thinking like, this will make you look old, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really think of them as that old, too. And I think it's so funny because, like, they are in their 60s. Right. But... I still don't really necessarily see them as that old, you know? Well, and it is true. So I'm the oldest of eight kids, and the youngest was born my senior year of high school. She yeah. could have practically been my child, mm-hmm. right? So there's 18 years between us. So 
she just got home from mission. She's 21 and we, and we're actually living together right now. Cause I'm, I'm in the middle of buying a house. So I'm at home with my parents and it's so interesting. It's all relative, right? Cause we're now both adults, but I look, my parents were a little bit older in the scheme of the world when she was coming up in high school, but I didn't, I'd, she w- I don't think she would say to you like, oh, I had grandparents as, as parents. So mm-hmm. my mom had her eighth at where I am right now at 39, yeah. right? So if I had a child now or two children right now, they'd be a little bit like my sister. Or my mm-hmm. parents were still pretty young and they could mm-hmm. do all the things. They sure. weren't like grandparents having kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's the benefit of the older parent, right? That's mm-hmm. a little bit more money and a little bit more steadiness and a little bit more of this yeah. versus the younger parents, which I would have loved to have been. I think there's a lot of us that would have loved to have been the younger parents that had those experiences, mm-hmm. but we're not there. You grieve that, you leave that, and you're like, okay, well, here's the next yep. stage. And I often talk to people about it's that part for me is hard, like actively grieving, like, okay, well, even if I have kids now, I'm I'm an older mom. That's not the end of the world. No. But there's a difference between being a 40-year-old having a baby than there is being a 25-year-old sure. having sure. a baby, yeah. you know? And the things that that's going to entail and, mm-hmm. the, and the process that you go through and you have to sort of just be like, okay. Which why, to me, being a stepmom or even adopting older children mm-hmm. is kind of like it's enticing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, maybe I'll marry somebody who's we can have a kid, but we'll also adopt a few older kids or something. So, speaking as the one that had kids young. Because <laughs> how I old can were say you when your first was born? 23. Okay. But the thing that was hard about that, it, well, it was hard because <laughs> you didn't, you were in the point in your life where you weren't ready to be selfless. Mm. And so it, it stretches you. You want to be out having fun to build your relationship, all that. And so when you have kids young, you have that that you don't have. Yeah. And, on top of that, the thing that we told ourselves having kids young was, well, at least we'll be young when they're out of the house. Uh-huh. Well, that's kind of a false notion in some respects because we kept having kids. Uh-huh. And so there's this idea of, yeah, that's great for the first kid, <laughs> but not on all the rest of them. So I, I think that maybe that's a weird, I don't want to say false expectation. I don't mean it like that, but it's it's one that it's kind of like the grass is greener mm-hmm. because we could also say to you guys, you've had enough time to build your own lives. You mm-hmm. have established yourselves. So when you raise your kids, you've got a, a different advantage that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would say it feels a little like the grass is greener mm. kind of syndrome that you think it's that, that that would have been so much better. But it's just different. It's just different. It's actually interesting to talk to Kylie because you're the first person I've ever met who thinks like I do. I have always wanted to be a stepmom my whole life. I have always wanted to marry someone who always has children, and I want to adopt older children. Actually, my dream is to foster teenagers. And dying dogs. And dying dogs. Senior (laughs) dogs, not necessarily dying dogs. But having babies like myself has never been a huge priority for me. I've never been like, I must give birth to a child. I've never felt this way. If it happens, great. But in this last year, I've been like, how do I really feel about this? Because I am in my last probably year or two. My mom was 38 when she had me. She was older. I was the youngest. And she almost died. It was a really bad pregnancy. And my sister-in-law is 42, and she had a bonus baby. And she was like... (laughs) Having a baby at 42 is so much harder than having a baby at 32. She was like, holy crap, this was miserable. And so I look at things like that. I'm like, I already don't have energy. I already don't have these things. And so, but I have some friends that are really struggling with it, that really want to be moms. And 
you know, we're literally as women. Birth moms, right? Yeah, birth moms. We're literally looking at this giant biological clock. Like they joke about it, but it's for real. Like guys can have babies for as long as they want. Steve could be 70 years old and he is still married to his 23 year old (laughs) wife. (laughs) Popping out kids. You know what though? I think there's there's still time bound. I think there's still time bound. Because I've thought a lot about that. At one point I was like, oh man. What guy is going to want to marry me if they want to have mm-hmm. kids, younger kids at 39? And, and it really, they're still time bound, right? If yeah. they're 39 and you're 39 or they're 42, if they want to have kids, they have to have that same conversation. Do I want to be a 42-year-old dad yep. to a baby or do I want to date somebody who already has children mm-hmm. or do I want to adopt? I, I don't think it's right. the, at this age. I think mm-hmm. a few, maybe like 10 years younger, it was actually really different for the for women but I, I think really at 39 and 40 for both sex I can't speak for men but it seems like you're still time you bound try. you're still time bound to you know yeah you marry you somebody too young and you make a Zach Morris reference yeah. and they're just staring at you <laughs> or you're, or you're right. raising them you're raising them and your kids right you're raising them both yeah and they're talking about Justin Bieber like he's a legit musician <laughs> <laughs> Um, but do yeah. you feel that same kind of pressure? Uh, it, I think it definitely is different, for sure. I think it is a little easier. It'd be s- total remiss to not admit that it isn't. I would imagine also there's some biological... Uh, like, I, I just can't imagine gametes in one sex starting to go, ah, we're not going to be working as good. And then the other sex is like, ah, we're, we have no shelf life. It just seems odd. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just something that... I've noticed the majority of my friends are all going through at the same time. Like, And can we say freaking out? Yeah, literally freaking yeah. out. I just want to use friends. that term because I feel like people don't yes. get the gravity yes. of like the masses of women right now oh, yeah. <laughs> in the church and out that are like underneath their like poised, mm-hmm. like I have a job and I have a this and I have yeah. a, are sort of trying to figure out um, how to grieve and not freak out in their lives about like not having this thing mm-hmm. that everybody generationally before them just sort of did. Did. Magically, right? I mean, they didn't do it magically, but it seems a little bit like everybody yeah. met everybody and had kids. And that was just the thing that happened for everybody. And yes, I know there are people, lots of people actually who have a hard time having children, but the concept of like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of us now yes. who are right here on that biological clock window, right? Yep. M- way more than let's say, I don't know, what are some other... um just like some of the older women in the church that were prominent, right? That there seemed mm-hmm. like there was a few of them and they stood out. Yes. There's now like a Thousands. large yes. majority of women who yeah. are sort of on this precipice of like, if I don't get married, which I don't know about you, but for me, the inf- the thing that people offer to me, which I find really interesting inside the church and outside the church to solve that problem is mm-hmm. maybe you should marry somebody who's not Mormon. Um. See, I, don't, I thought you were going to say polygamy. Oh, <laughs> no! Just, I have also wow. been offered that because, because the Mormon Yeesh. men are so are are, are are like this is not yes. me. This is outside people because you're not finding a guy, or because there's yeah. so few active guys. Yeah. I don't think that's true, actually. But this is the dialogue, right? There's so few active guys, and there's so many of you women. Like, yeah. there's plenty of guys that aren't Mormon or that don't that you're not holding out for this sort of standard mm-hmm. that you want that would be readily available that you could have children with. And it's so interesting to me that that is that is being offered as the solution to like grieving. I guess people are actively grieving this. Like, maybe yeah. it will happen, maybe it won't happen. Okay, well, go solve your problem this way. And I'm like, that's just a whole other set of like... That's a different problem. I actually know of two separate bishops 
who have encouraged some of their girls to date outside the church because they're like, I see our ward. I see the stake. There's not a lot of great guys here. I would not. That's such a small ocean to to judge from. But here's the, but like he's saying like, you're. Expand your. Expand your, your horizons that you could possibly meet because. There are wonderful men outside the church. Sure. There are crappy men in the church. Yeah. Let's be honest. Just because you're LDS does not make you a great person. It doesn't. But we don't see marriage as something that's just for the next couple of years. So that's why the church membership is mm-hmm. pretty critical to the conversation, at least. It's it's hard for me to comment on this because I have a very different view on this. I do date guys outside of the church because for me— I went through the temple for myself. I go to church for myself. If I marry a man who is not a member of the church, that's perfectly fine with me because I know I will marry a man who is respectful of how I feel about the church. I am not marrying a man to fulfill any certain kind of it's I can't I can't even think of the words to say without making it sound like I'm looking down on other people, but I'm not. For me, I'm perfectly open to marrying someone who is not a member because my church membership is for me and for myself, and that's how it's always kind of been. I've always had to do it on my own. If I marry somebody that's a member of the church, that's a bonus for me, but it's not a requirement for me. But again, I am one of very few people. Most girls I know, temple marriage is their number one priority, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's a great thing, but I think we've talked about it here a little bit. I actually have three really close friends who all are strong members of the church. They ended up marrying guys who were not members. None of the guys have gotten baptized, but they are all the most supportive men I've ever met in my life. Like, one of my friends was like, oh, I wanted to stay home one Sunday because I wanted to be lazy. And her non-member husband was like, no, we're going to church. He goes to church with her every week. He made sure their kids had blessings given by her father. He's not interested in joining the church, but he loves her and understands what it means to her. So it's also hard for me because people are like, well, you have to marry somebody in the church. And I'm like, I know examples of wonderful men that are not members of the church who encourage and support and do all of these things. But then I also know, I can name five guys that I know who are married who have left the church in the last year. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting no guarantee. about this whole conversation is there's a whole bunch of women. I don't I don't know if you can relate to this, Barry, but there's a whole bunch of women that I know that the dichotomy of grief or whatever is I'm not even in the like, should I date out of the church or not of the church? Because I'm not dating at all. Yeah. So like the, yeah. the grief piece for me isn't like, well, do I have to settle? <laughs> do I have to settle for a guy who's not wanting to get married in the temple? My piece is like, how do I make this happen? I'm one half of a of a mm. duo. And mm. the duo thing is not is not working, right? Yeah. Like people, and I look around and I'm like, mm, that person met the person on a plane. That person met the person. I mean, it's a joke in my family now. Whenever people are are getting married, like their story, I'm like, they could do that. And I, what's happening <laughs> over here? You know. So it's funny, but part of the reality is like. I'm not necessarily worried about married in or outside of the church right now. I'm a little bit worried about like what happens if you're not dating at all and then yeah. you don't have choices. Like you have to have, there's this assumption I think for a lot of singles that you're being picky. Yeah. And the opposite side of that is a little bit more depressing and we don't want to talk about that much, but there's this whole lot of people that are like me 
that are like people that, that people think that are dating a lot that aren't really dating mm-hmm. at all. And so you're not being really picky. Yeah. <laughs> you're just not dating. And some people are like, oh, you're being so picky. I was like, yeah, you know, me. So picky. <laughs> they say it as if we're like literally that there's just lines of men and we're like, no, no, You're just no. sitting there dismissing yeah. them. Where I'm laughing because like I was walking here today and there were a couple homeless guys outside and I was like, I know for sure they're going to smile and hit on me, and they sure did. And I was like, <laughs> they are the men who are guaranteed to hit on me. Hello, homeless guy with three teeth. I'll take it. <laughs> like, You'll take it. I'll, wow. I'm not going on a date with the guy, oh. but I'll smile at him. You can tell me I'm pretty. I would love to hear that I'm pretty. Thank you. So, but it's true. I yeah. think people are under the assumption that as singles that we are, that we've got dates every night of the week. We've got all these people that we're just being too picky about and rejecting. And I'm like, who are these men? <laughs> and and I, I definitely think depending on where you live, you know, it, if different. I were to actively say like, great, I'm going to date non-members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, if I were to declare in my dating pool of like open, not that I've ever declared that I'm not going to, right? But if we were, if I was to declare, I don't think there would be that much different. I have yeah. a lot of non-member friends and I have friends that are connected to non-member friends. Yep. And if a guy were attracted to me and he wasn't a member, I don't think that he would be like, I'm not going to ask her out. She's Mormon. I just think we have the same problems about connecting yeah. like-minded people as they do really anywhere. Mormons are not Mormons right yeah. now. It's really hard to connect to just connect people, especially, I don't know if you guys have felt this, but especially if you're kind of going back to what I wrote about, if you are sort of building the kingdom wherever you're at, mm-hmm. if you're the person who's just like, I'm going to build the kingdom, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to do well in my job, I'm going to volunteer or do this thing or go around here and you're active and you're active in your ward, right? You sort yeah. of disappear into your life. Yeah. Well, that kind of a person is usually attracted to somebody else who's like that. Who's mm-hmm. also, even like you and I both would like to be or, or don't mind being stepmoms, right? I think yeah. of the guy that has three kids that's sharing custody with his wife somewhere in the United States or out that I would probably be wanting to date is probably not on any of the dating apps that I'm on yep. because he's like doing the thing. He's, he's doing working other and he, he's taking care of his kids when he has them with them. And right. he's probably, you know, elders quorum this and that. And he's just active building the kingdom in his life as well and I think this is the huge conundrum we have in the church is that you know the mm-hmm. same kind of people are on the dating apps that aren't really attracted to each other and the, the same I kind of agree. people who are out busy building the kingdom that's what I call it in their lives also don't know how to find each other because mm-hmm. they're sort of head down in it does that make sense mm-hmm. no absolutely mm-hmm. yeah it's like I kind of joke about I kind of want to marry a guy that isn't on social media at all <laughs> Because some of the best men that I know that are in these wonderfully happy marriages could not care less about Facebook. They're like, why would I, on earth would I have a Facebook account? Why would I do that? I am busy with work. I am busy with the calling. I am busy with my family. Da, da, da. And I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want right there is somebody who's willing to focus. I'm not a great example of it. But, you know, I'm social media girl. I don't know, Steve, do you have any other thoughts? I feel like we've taken over. No, no. I They've all been really good thoughts, I think. And I agree with the... Your spouse might be not in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because I think I just had that conversation with my parents a little while back where I was dating a girl who was not LDS. And with my siblings, they've been fairly staunch on that. And then as I, as I, <laughs> as as I got older, they were like, you know, just so you know, both of your grandparents married outside the church. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, their spouses ended up joining the church. They go, that does not mean that that's what happens every time. That's just is how it happened with them, and mm-hmm. each circumstance is different. 
Um, I think one thing that people need to be careful of is when you start saying, yeah, maybe I'll date outside the church. You end up romanticizing the people who are outside the church Mm -hmm. and then end up putting huge labels on people inside the church going, people in the church are always X, Y, Z. And here's the thing about those labels is if, this is my opinion, but I think if you start to label somebody, you're going to see a trait and go, that fits under this category. Yeah. And the truth is, actually, that category is in your mind, not theirs. And they might not even be acting the way that you think they are, but because you saw one thing that mm-hmm. makes it think, then it's like your brain is so organized that way that it's going to go, they're this way, which is, I think that's how like racism and garbage like that yeah. happens because we go, people are this way. And it's like, yeah, you're making that up. And you want it to be, I mean, yeah. I think it's totally fine to date outside the church. Just keep your morals, keep your standards. Exactly. But if you're going to do it, don't start doing that garbage game of, uh, well, I had to date outside the church because Mormons are this way. Yeah, you it's can't like, do that. All right, whatever, dude. You can't do that. Yeah. Also, on that note, I would say I've watched so many of my friends, some even very close, be very, um, I'm going to use this word, it's a heavy word, but like desperate. Mm-hmm. Like, and out of, and I would literally say out of desperation, out of this great fear of being alone. Yeah. Decide to get married in or out of the church. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Just like, I need, I need somebody to do the journey with. And therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of a lot of red flags that I know are red flags, but that's because right now you love me enough. Yep. Right. Mm. And I, I'm not anti-marriage. I actually love love, which is kind of surprising at this point in my life, but I have watched a lot of people do this sort of jump ship from the single world because they're like, I can't do it. In fact, some of them on their way into marrying these people that they're like, they're not the right fit for me, but they're good enough. Like say to me, like, good luck. You have more stamina or whatever. You have more yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, you're, you're clearly Kylie, you can do okay on your own. Right. <laughs> As they're like, and then two to five years later, because I've been single a long time. Yeah. <laughs> they are divorcing. They're divorced. And yeah. they're divorcing pretty much almost exactly for the reasons that they overlooked when they were dating yep. that were glaringly red flags. And now they have nothing against what they learned and grew in their marriage because I think all, all your seasons and times and things are good for your growth. But many of them are saying, okay, now I'm, I call it negative single. So you're single and then you date somebody, you marry somebody, and then you have all this plus, not that there's all good things, but you have some mm-hmm. good things, which mm-hmm. is companionship, decision-making, you know, somebody, a plus one to go to things. And then when you break up, whether you break up yeah. or whether you divorce or whatever, I, I call that like kind of like negative single. Because now you're not just a regular single, you're like less than single. You're back single, down again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and in that less than single space, a lot of my friends were like, I'm, I'm in a worse space now as a single person than I was had I just sort of... stood my ground Mm -hmm. and what I really knew was good and healthy for me and just, you know, dug in. I don't know another word to say it. Like whether it's the church or whether it's in your own personal beliefs or whether it's in your ability to just figure out how to do alone, Mm -hmm. you know, which is everybody does it differently. And so I find that really interesting, you know, is I don't think I'm exceptionally well at that, but I think I'm better than the average at figuring out how to 
um, excel at being single by building like a world around me that's supportive and where I can fail and where I can succeed and putting people in my life that it's like, okay, if I am going to be single for the rest of my life, I'm going to be happy yes. at least. I'm not going to be desperate. I'm going to grieve. I'm going to be sad when my mm-hmm. childbearing years come and go. If that happens, I'm going to look it in the face. But I'm not going to throw, I hope, I'm not going to throw everything out the window just so that I can feel like I'm not doing it alone. Yeah. Because I think that, I don't know, any thoughts? No, that's no, I, That's very reasonable. I completely agree because going back to something that you said about if you knew how many mid-singles women look so strong and put together on the outside and in the inside, they are freaking out about, you know— have a club about like <laughs> if people had any idea oh gosh, how much they are struggling and it goes back to so i go to a mid-singles ward i would honestly prefer to be in a singles ward but where i are in a family ward but where i'm at it just seems like i'm supposed to be in this mid-singles ward but i was talking to somebody about it in relief society and there were several girls and i said yeah i really wish i was in a singles ward and these were super put together women. And they said, I can't, or I said, I wish I was in a family ward. And they said, I can't even go to a family ward because it is so hard for me to see people with families. It is so hard for me to see people in marriages. And that's why they choose a singles ward. And if so, it's kind of surprising because you do see these people that are completely put together. But then you also have the flip side kind of, sorry, I'm jumping back to a lot of things that yeah. you said, where you said you saw these people at work that inspired you or wherever it was that inspired you to write this book. I remember the first time when I moved to Utah, we went to our mid-singles ward, and we'd heard it was known as the weird ward. We had heard this. And so we went, and we're sitting in Sacrament, and we're looking around, and we're like, these people do seem a little strange. And I had to get something out of my car. So I get up, and I walk through the foyer, and I am not kidding you, there were 30 women in that foyer sitting on the floor, sitting on chairs, frumpy, no makeup, every single one of them sitting there crocheting and knitting. (laughs) Every single one. And I'm like... Never going to be that, never going to be that, never going to be that. But it was. It was just like, and that is what this war, and it was. This ward was so strange. Call it the Misfit Toys, right? Yeah. It was. Mm, it was just bizarre toys. people. And I remember, and I just remember thinking like, okay, I cannot be that kind of single. I want to be put together. I want to be somebody that people want to be friends with. I want to have fun so that when it does happen, I'm not sitting around waiting for my life to start. I feel like you had something to say. Oh, when you mentioned that, it reminded me of what Kylie was talking about earlier on in the podcast about the, the if you don't love me for who I am and how I am <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's an interesting, I, but I don't know, it might be a completely uh, off topic, you know, but I think it's, uh, it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, people need to love you for who you are. Of course. But, but and, <laughs> and I hate to even say but, I... And, however, and and, <laughs> and is better. <laughs> yeah, however doesn't, it's just a fancy butt. And. Uh, and I just think, like, it's a clever disguise to say. It's a defense mechanism. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I think it's a defense mechanism Absolutely. to avoid putting off, like, we are eternal beings who eternally progress. Yeah. And progression feels good to us. And to have that feeling of I'm working on something and I'm making constant change in my life and I'm making constant improvements. For some reason, that narrative, I think, takes away that. That it's like, oh, that's not good. It is a victim stance too. Because if I put, if I say to everybody, you should just love me how I am and nobody's attracted and love me, then I self-fulfill that like, 
I'm a victim of the circumstances of either the church or mm. somebody else or whatever, rather than girding up your loins and being like, okay, I am in my circumstances and here's what I need to make of mm. it and do it, right? Because there are times when I think is being in a family ward and being in the My Maids mm-hmm. and having a nonprofit and being a therapist, is that part of the reason why I am still single? Because I am not actively all the time trying to like get married. I am trying to get married, but yeah. And I'm okay with that. When the day is done and I lay my head down, I think, I believe in a God who's not going to punish me for that. He's not going to hold me back from my blessings because I was activating my life, right? Now, too much, too being too busy is not necessarily good either, but I have a lot of negotiable space in my life. Whereas I would much rather be that person than some of the people we're talking about right now who are sort of put themselves in a victim stance. And by the way, that breeds bitterness. And who's attracted to that? I don't think many men are attracted to that. Not that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, so that, not that, that seems much. like that's number one on my list. Bitter. <laughs> a little bitter. You know, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Good chocolate. Plays Just. a victim. Check. Yeah. <laughs> Believing in a God who can, you know, part the sea. Certainly he can bring men and women into our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And if he doesn't, there's that. to me in my mind, it was like years ago, somebody said, I said, well, if God would just tell me, you're not going to be married until you're 42. <laughs> I was like 26 at the time, so I actually said like 32. Yep. If God would just tell me that I'm not going to be married until I'm 32, then I would just do all the things that mm-hmm. I want to do and I'd be ready to be married. And my friend literally said to me, then go and do that. Yeah. And it was probably the best advice that I've mm. ever received in my life. Because at 26, that's when I wrote the book. Yeah. That's when I started traveling. It's when I And I was like, you know what? I, I am. I am going to go make it happen. Yeah, as cheesy as that is, I'm going to go make it happen in my life because whether I'm making it happen or I'm waiting, there's a chance that I'll still be single. And here I am. How many years later? Who knew? But I was like, thank goodness I got my grad graduate degree. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness I started a business because honestly, the people that I feel the most grief, I guess, are sad for, especially, you know, that are coming into therapy or whatever, are the people who waited, 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 waited. And yeah. they got to a certain point where they realized, oh, I better activate my life. And there's years of regret. That's yeah. been a motivator for me too. Like, I don't want to live in regret, mm-hmm. right? So better to like, maybe not get all my heart's desires. And if that's marriage or kids, like better to live a really good, happy, filled life where mm-hmm. I feel like at the pearly gates and God asked me, did you love? And I'm like, yeah, I loved a lot. Yeah. Then to like wait around for the thing that I hope that it'll give me and be kind of like full of regret. Can I can I say something? This is probably going to jump back. Do it. For, from, from the beginning of the episode to now. I love it. There's, there's something that has kind of been rattling around in my head that came from a bishop who's now a state, member of state presidency where I live. And he said this phrase in a talk, and sometimes these things just stay with you, and this definitely stayed with me. It was, don't give up on the plan of salvation before it's had a chance to work. Ooh, I love that. And I think that people see this, they have an expectation or a time clock of when things are supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Career, being married, anything. Yeah. And, And so I think that one of the, I don't know if I want to say this as advice. I don't want to use that word. But the encouragement is to understand that whether you have children in this life doesn't mean you can never have children. Yeah. And, in fact, that is the goal of this life is to get to a point in the afterlife that we can have children. Mm -hmm. So don't give up on what you need to do to qualify for that. 
And for that matter, never give up on qualifying for whatever God can bless you with now. And so don't give up on the plan of salvation before it's had a chance to work. And for that, you never know when things can happen in your life. So that's why I like Kylie's stuff. And that's Mm -hmm. why I really think that her book is something that is worth reading and living by because it kind of embraces that ideology. Can I say, and this is not to go against what you said. Thank you. (laughs) Your kind words. But can I say that? I believe that, and <laughs> mm-hmm. there is a really, like, to the core, like, ache when I hear that. Um, hear what? I, that all what you just said, because okay. it's all true. Yeah. And I sometimes get a little, like, wrestly with God in that, and I say, but why do some people get their blessings in this life, uh-huh. and why do I not— not yet, but maybe. Why do I have to wait until the next life? Why do some people get to have their heart's desires, good or bad? I'm not, I am not a believer that like marriage solves problems or that having <laughs> children is the end of the line. Yeah. But I am a huge believer that marriage and children give you growth that you cannot have as a single person. I and I don't disagree. And I think there's growth that I have had as a single person that like you haven't been able to experience and won't in your life because once you're married and you have kids— that that's a different track. You have regardless, to appraise right? what is a blessing in your life to yeah. understand. And where it's those just hard. It's hard when people mm-hmm. are like, "I feel like I have an eternal perspective, but it's a it's painful." Yeah. Because when I look at my parents who have eight kids, and I look at my siblings that are married, and I think about the church and how it's really supposed to run, not like not in that cheesy like, "Oh, we're all about families." I like very much believe in a diversified church, but really like the plan of salvation is like you have children and you raise your children and you teach them the gospel and they leave or they don't, they stay or, and this is all the experience. And then, and you have generations. And so it feels amiss, even if I have an eternal perspective that I'm not sort of on that journey, right? That Mm -hmm. I'm not sort of, I'm looking at your guys nodding that you're, that I'm not quite on that journey and that no matter how many things I do well or how much the Lord uses me, because lots of people be like, but you're there for the young women mm-hmm. or you're there for the this. And, and I don't, don't discount that because there have been many miracles and blessings that I've been as a therapist or as a EFY counselor, things that other friends of mine that got married didn't get to do. But I do sometimes have a little bit of this twinge that's like, I don't want to be an instrument in the Lord's hand yeah, for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I, if, if I, I can I say— I want what I want. I, Is that, does that make sense? Can, can, yeah. I, can I add to what I was saying then yeah, to maybe— sure. to? I don't want to say back it up or defend it, but I think that— If your mindset is that you have to go through a set of pains because you don't have a family, there is the, I have gone through a set of pains because of my family. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's the grass is greener on the other side mentality because I have had to sit through my wife being depressed for 13 years while we had kids. And that is a pain that I don't wish on anybody. Mm And there are there are times where in the midst of that, I, and I don't really talk about this a whole lot because it is painful, and I don't want it to be the look at my hard life kind of thing, but we were in the midst of my wife having depression and all sorts of troubles in our life. I was a real estate agent in 2008, oh. and we lost our house. Yep. I, as a father, could not support my kids. We lost our house. We lost a number of possessions. So I felt failure as a father and as a husband because I kept thinking, I can't make my wife happy. Mm-hmm. And or so— for my kids. Or- yeah, and yeah, I, I can't seem to do anything. Yeah. So I had to go through years, I mean years, of 
struggling to hold on to life, mm. thinking that I was doing something right. And I would say that that is a pain, and I don't mean this in any kind of downgrade or anything. Oh, no, not at That all. is a pain that you haven't had to endure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's not a comparison either. I don't want it to say yours is harder or easier or anything like that. I just think we all go through different experiences. So, yes, that part of the plan of salvation isn't clicking for you. But why wasn't I the tithe-paying honorable priesthood holder that was trying to do everything I was supposed to? Why didn't I have a happy wife? Why wasn't I being able to provide for my family? Why wasn't I able to do any of these other things that I was reading in the manuals would be provided for me? So I think there's just times where we we suffer in different ways. Oh, 100%. And so I, I, I don't want to say that this is an exclusive marriage problem or single problem. I just think it's just different. And I would add, whether you're married or single, then there's people who have severe health issues yeah. that mm-hmm. are like, why am I having this, you know, I I really like to see being single side by side with being married, side by side with being divorced, side by side with yeah. like yeah. like a we. We are all in it together, which is why I don't mind being in a family where it doesn't depress me Correct. when other families are raising their kids. I'm in this, I have the, I'm in my family's ward right now and I call them the basement brigade. Brigade. There's these 16 <laughs> basement couples that live in the basements of all these really wealthy houses because really? they're retirement houses in Linden. So all these young couples have moved in, whether they're married or have kids. And so they're all in this ward. The oldest person in our ward's probably like 72. It's a very young. Yeah. So if ever there was a word to be like, oh my gosh, everybody's having kids. And I like, we're like all in it together, yes. right? Like mm-hmm. if I have Agreed. time to like talk to your teenage girls because they want to hear from somebody else besides you, I'm in it. Yep. And by the way, I would love for there's this mutual, the ministering thing, right? And the more they love on me, the more they realize how to adjust some of their conversations they're having to fit me into the group. But truth be told, they have given me great opportunities to to basically help them know that I'm not so far unconnected from them. Like I'm still a 39 year old female that's in this life together, whether I have kids or not, that has feelings and emotions and opinions and generationally gets jokes. And, you know, like, we're, we're like in it together. And so it's interesting to me. Sometimes I have this big when I'm freaking out and I'm like, I'm never going to get married. I'm not going to have kids. I also have this beep beeper that's on the other side of my brain that says, <laughs> but don't settle. Mm-hmm. And that's different for everybody else. But hey, Kylie, it could be worse. You yeah. and God are figuring it out. <laughs> yep. You yeah. and God are figuring it out. And yes, you have bad days. But bringing other people into your journey and I, I know this deeply, right, as a therapist, bringing other people into your journey changes everything, yeah. right? And so be ready and willing and able when you choose to bring other people into your life or they choose you because that, you know, like, it's, I'm doing okay. So I also have a pretty good attitude, I, I think, compared to yeah. some singles oh, yeah. where I'm like, hey— God and me are doing this, and mm-hmm. like I would love to bring somebody in that journey, but I don't. I don't want to be in a in a really unhealthy or happy marriage. Yeah. I don't want to be, you know. And so for me, like that helps. It helps mm-hmm. me at the end of the day to be like, okay, you want to be married, but like you are a little picky. You know, they say this thing about being picky and and how people are like, oh, you're picky. I'm like, I'm re- not that picky as far as like I'm not, not dating a, a whole bunch picky. of people. No, but. I'm about as picky as anybody else who picked their spouse to get married. To, and you right? should be a little picky. It's right. a yeah. big decision. <laughs> you don't just grab cantaloupe at the store. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you go, yeah, ah, I'm going to pick the one I want. What do you do with the cantaloupe? I don't know. I should have chosen a different fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I regret but this. But everybody who said that to you guys, don't you want to look at them and be like, you kind of 
picked your you spouse, picked right? Them. Yeah, you guys. Like maybe you that's what you should start saying. Your people. Uh, never mind. people start asking us, "Are you being too picky?" Just be like, look at their spouse and be like, "Oh, so you settled?" Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Oh. Oh. But okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and wrap that up. I'm. I know I went into this knowing I wanted to talk about the subject without any kind of resolution or advice. I just wanted to talk about the subject. So, ladies, it's okay. We're all thinking the same thing. We're all worried about our eggs and reproductive years. It's okay. That's your 50-minute therapy session. There you go. There it is. (laughs) Boom. Come talk to me anytime about it. We... (laughs) even know what else to say go get kylie's book tell me again it's called make it happen make it happen i want to call it make it work which means i can you tell i've been watching project runway (laughs) a lot i'm like make it work um but we will listen we'll talk to you guys about it another (laughs) yeah make it work make everything work if you want to send any stories or comments we do have the email barbie does dating at gmail.com and we will talk to you guys soon (laughs) 